I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with a virtual trip to New York City for a visit with the Brownstone Boys. In this, another episode of The Showroom, a partnership between Convo by Design and Walker Zanger. This is a deep design dive with Barry and Jordan, the Brownstone Boys. I love what these two are doing. They brought their passion for design and brownstones to a boil and focus exclusively on bringing traditional brownstones back to their original glory, with a twist. They started with their own Brooklyn brownstone and blogged about the process they went through to painstakingly bring this classic up to modern standards with amazing design, while still respecting the origins of the space. The showroom, as previously mentioned, is a partnership between Convo by Design uh, and our sponsor, Walker Zanger. By the way... Are you subscribing to the podcast? If not, please do, so you get every episode automatically right when they're published. You can find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts, and now you can find us on designnetwork.org, a destination dedicated to podcasts, all things design and architecture. So make sure to check it out, uh, designnetwork.org. Okay, let's get to it. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zenger a progressive brand that was built on a promise to provide designers, architects, and homeowners with the right materials to do their very best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But it's more than that. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a trade program that makes the specifying process simple with the support you need. They've been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. In 2020, I launched a series in partnership with Walker Zanger called The Showroom. This intimate interview series showcases some of the very best creatives in the business today. Please join us live or catch every episode recorded so you can enjoy it on your schedule. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. So check out any of their showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We're excited to welcome to the showroom the Brownstone Boys. We have uh, Josh Cooperman from Convo by Design, who will be leading this conversation. Uh, if you have any questions, if there's any more information that you would like, please, by all means, use the chat feature. Um, we have a few uh, images and photography that we'll be sharing today. Um, but I would highly recommend everybody visit uh, brownstoneboys.com. Did I get that right, guys? The Brownstone Boys. The Brownstone Boys. I didn't know what I was going to write. Sorry about that. No so uh, visit thebrownstoneboys.com for, for more information and more details um, about all the projects that they're working on. The project that we're going to chat about today is a brownstone that they have been working on for a an influencer named Simply Sin, Sin, C-Y-N. Um, and the hashtag you can follow is Simply Sin Reno. Um, so welcome everyone to the showroom with Convo by Design. I'm going to keep everyone's lines muted, so please do use the chat room. And Josh, take it away. Excellent. Thank you, Erica. Uh, Brownstone boys, welcome. And uh, welcome to all of you. Um, again, my name is Josh Cooperman. I'm the host and publisher of Convo by Design, a podcast uh, for the design and architecture industry. Um, first of all, as Erica said, 
uh, please uh, make sure that your lines are muted. Thank you. And if you do have any questions, we'll be going back to them periodically as they as as applicable to the conversation. So as you see the chat feature, just sort of type your questions in. Erica will jump in um, with those questions as they come up. Um, and if you like the conversation, and we hope that you do, you will be able to download it and subscribe and listen again. You can listen as many times as you want after this. Uh, find Convo by Design and subscribe. You'll get it automatically. With that, uh, Brownstone Boys, welcome. Jordan and Barry, how are we doing today? Doing great. We're doing great. Thank you. Good. It's, it's so great to see you. I love that um, last week we had a chance to meet and talk. And I shared with you that being a native Angelino, I have absolutely no knowledge or reference of the whole brownstone idea, concept, architecture, sort of this culture that, that exists within the architecture. And I love that. And so I thought, you know, it would be a good place to start. Tell me about brownstones. Tell me about the culture behind it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And the, the only thing that I would say is that if you've ever seen Sex in the City or Sesame Street or a lot of those really iconic shows that are you know shot in New York then you, you've you've seen Brownstone Brooklyn because the the stoop in the front and the tree-lined streets and you know the architecture and the history you know that that really kind of encompasses a lot of uh you know, a, a brownstone neighborhood in Brooklyn. And technically what a brownstone is, is it's a row house, which, um, you know, you may be familiar with, it's just a, a row of houses that all touch one another. Um, and they're usually a masonry building, but the actual facade of them is covered traditionally in something called brownstone. It's something that was mined just outside of New York, kind of in the, the Northeast. Um, and now it's sort of has changed a little bit and actually encompasses more than just uh, you know a, a home that's covered in that facade called brownstone. Sometimes it's just a brick building. Sometimes it's stucco now, more modern uh, technology, more modern building materials. Uh, but the idea of a brownstone is still kind of the same. That tree-lined street with the stoop, the row house. Um, and I think the thing that kind of ties it all together is the community because everyone hangs out on their stoop. Everyone, you know, sits and, you know, has a drink, has a glass of wine, eats dinner. Our neighborhood does something called the Stoop Social, where uh, everyone just kind of, and it's been great during COVID as well, because you're sort of naturally social distance because everyone's kind of on their stoop and you can walk around and talk to your neighbors still. Um, and so really the community around it and, and the way it sort of brings people out to the front of their house and meeting one another is really the thing that ties it all together. And uh, we live in an area called Bed-Stuy, and it's in Brooklyn, but it is primarily Brownstone Brooklyn in, within Bed-Stuy. But there are other areas in Manhattan and Harlem. There is a really well-known Brownstone district, Washington, D.C. There's also a Brownstone community, and I believe in Philadelphia as well, too, there's a Brownstone. So this community, this Brownstone culture... Uh, is still in America and yeah. it's just East Coast based. Coast. <laughs> but um, at it, as an early age, I grew up out west as well too, and it's just that background on the TV of watching Sesame Street and just that culture. It's like I want to be part of that. So that always that began the obsession for me at a very early age. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, it's funny too because I also feel like for for you two in particular, I mean, let's be honest, you're from Las Vegas, Las Vegas and New Orleans, respectively, which means you're you're used to this tight knit social community where you can walk around with a drink. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is funny. It's, it's, we're from we're pretty much the only two large cities in the U.S. where you can do that, which is kind of interesting that we found one another in New York, <laughs> where you can't. <laughs> No, it's funny, but I but I think what's really interesting too. So you know, prior to the to the brownstone, you you had in these in these areas, you had Greek revival, you had Federalist architecture, primarily brick, and then now here's here's an indigenous indigenous material in in the actual brownstone that sort of turned into this subculture, and I I want to just back up one second. I think the whole idea of the stoop is really interesting. The stoop. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like the stoop itself it has has a life of its own, right? Definitely, it it really does. I mean, it 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 does. It's it's something like I think a, what attracts people to these buildings in a, a big way is the actual stoop. Yeah, you know, you're excited about sitting on it and having a drink on it and meeting your neighbors. And it's also a grand entrance, so you're walking up yeah. uh, sometimes very ornate staircase to get to the front door, and it's just that feeling of walking up to this building um, that I haven't witnessed anywhere else. Um, so it's really special, and it is definitely a thing that attracts people, attracted us to want to buy one. Um, was the stoop because um, that's the first thing you kind of see at the, in front of the brownstone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and and again, I think what's really important about this and the reason why it's so special, or one of the reasons why it's so special, is because it is a social center because of how the the architecture is. You've got you've got shared walls, but people aren't really coming in. The stoop represents that that social engagement. And what's fun too is when you see movies, TV any sort of representation of the West Coast, you see beaches, you see the Hollywood sign, you see whenever you see something New York related, be it Woody Allen, Spike Lee, Sex in the City, the, the stoop is always represented in some way, shape or form. It's always there. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what makes it so special and that, that's what makes it so New York. Um, things I miss about California just from being out West are the beaches. And when I see that in a TV or a movie, it's like, oh, I have to plan a trip out to California now. I really need to get out there. But for me, it was always just that feeling of like, oh, I need to move to New York because of that brownstone, because of that stoop and that culture and what that entails. Yeah. So go ahead, please. I was going to say that it's also, you know, the, the walkable streets and, you know, usually you know, we're talking about our street and it's Brownstone Street that has a lot of stoops and it's a nice environment. But if you walk in either direction, there's always cafes and bars and things that you can walk to. So even, even when you leave your house and you walk down the street and you walk by everyone else's stoop while you're on the way to dinner um, and saying hi, because your neighbors are sitting out, out front. So it's just, it really, it really creates a, a, a really just nice environment. It's a really pleasant environment. Um, and it's just something that I think attracts a lot of people, which is, is why we were attracted to it and why now a lot of our clients, because, you know, every client that we work with is someone who wants to renovate one of these old buildings as well. And it's why they're, they were attracted to it as uh, too. So it's, it's something that a lot of people are, you know, interested in as well. And even though obviously COVID is a difficult situation in a lot of ways, we haven't really seen the desirability of buying a brownstone and renovating it decrease at all. It's still something that's, that's really popular and it's very, it's it held its, its own in the real estate market. So when, when you turning a bit, turning to design now, right? When, when you look at a new project, do you start with the stoop 
or do you start with the interior? Is that because I kind of envision it like that's the front yard, right? That's sort of the landscape, if you will, of 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 the brownstone. Is that where you start, or do you start with the inside and then make the outside to match? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I was going to say that it, I feel like we more often start with the inside, um, even though the outside is really important. The inside is is where most of the work has to happen. Like a lot of times, the the facade on the building is. In, in good shape and it, it, it's still original. Like you like no one's, not many people are coming in and changing the original facade of the building. So it still has that look and feel and it looks great. Um, the inside needs a ton of work. The inside, just everything a lot of times has to go. A lot of it, you know, uh, most of these places have been through a lot of renovations over their 150 year, 130 year life lives. So, there's just a ton of stuff to do on the inside. And so we try to get to work on that. Um, renovations are, are long just because there is, there's a lot of stuff to restore. There's, you know, there's a lot of uh, intricacy with the structural part of it. Just renovating in New York city is difficult. It takes longer to do. Um, so we usually we're, we're trying to get a lot of that stuff going so we can get someone into their home. And the facade is always something that we can. We it comes can up like midway through the renovation. I mean, there's always conversation about the exterior, about the stoop. Um, but we really work out all those specific de details, like halfway through the renovation. I want to say when we start in the framing phase, then we're like, okay, what are we going to do about that front door? And what are we going to do a bit about that brownstone <laughs> that's actually, you know, missing some, um, needs some repointing. So it's usually about halfway through the renovation that we'll start figuring out the exterior work that needs to be done. So let's, let's talk about you for a second. Let's talk about yours for a second. Let's talk about your project. Um, who, who kind of took the lead on the design? I think we, we sort of did it together. Like we really, I, I would say certain aspects of it, we would, uh, one of us would find like, and it's like an inspiration picture that we love and we would send it to the other person and we were usually on the same, the same page. But I would say that we both equally kind of design different aspects right. of it. There were things that both of us had, I knew that Barry was very passionate about the kitchen. And while the kitchen for me was important, I also knew that I trusted him. And at the same time, I was like, I want to see what direction he's going to bring this kitchen to. Mm -hmm. So he took the lead on that. Why I was very passionate about our guest bathroom. And um, I had this very, very specific vision um, that I have planned out for years and years and I knew I was going to get that bathroom. So I had to do some convincing on Barry's end to make it work, but I think it came out right. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing that we, we sort of disagree on, I think is color. Like yes. I, I am like white and gray and different shades of gray or what I'm usually will, will tend to, to go toward. And Jordan loves colorful things. So I have to, it, it takes me a while to get there on a lot of the really colorful stuff yeah. or at least for, for our stuff. I love when clients do it. It's great. It's fun. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's their house. But for me, like I'm all about the shades of gray. I love this too, because Barry Jordan is just kind of like, you're looking over, you're looking for that approval. And he's just like, yeah, you were really difficult to deal with. Um, but it's funny because we see that all the time, right? So you have this, I, I love having this conversation with you in particular, because as designers, you know that the first big battle you have to fight is figuring out what the true desire is versus what they're telling you. 
right? And then you have to figure out what kind of client are they? Are they going to be super difficult? Are they going to pr- pretend like they're easygoing? And then at the moment there's, and then you get the trap, right? Then the moment there's something, it's like, oh, I didn't know they were like that. So I'm curious, what, what kind of clients are you? And how did you get, knowing that you're both so very, very different, how did you get to what you wanted in your own space? And then I want to start talking about the design in particular. That's a really good question, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say about how we are as clients? Um, I, 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 I think that we compromise a lot. I, yeah. think we, I think we found, I don't remember there being one thing that we had like a huge disagreement over and we just could not come to an agreement you know, I, I think it was, we were on the same page with almost everything and any, any place that we could probably was related to color and like, I wanted, you know, white and you wanted something crazy. A lot of our arguments are not arguments, but our conversation were, was about budget yeah. and we both have very expensive taste and we, <laughs> we like very nice things. And then we kind of weren't factoring that into the original design and we had all the items picked out and then we start putting the numbers together and we're like, Oh, how are we going to make this work? Get rid of this, get rid of that. So we actually turn on our creative switches and we got really creative of how to kind of replicate our, you know, everything that we had saved or pinned and do that in a budget, budget conscious way. So I think we kind of learned even more a bit about each other through a renovation which if you had asked me before we renovated, I would have had the complete opposite answer. But I think it even brought us closer together as a couple. Yeah. And I think we also pulled each other out of our, our comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's definitely some features in our house that I would never have selected myself, but I absolutely love them. You know, we have uh, a friend of ours painted this very huge and bright and loud mural in in our guest bedroom that is absolutely beautiful and I can't imagine the room without it but it's just it's just a very bright and loud thing that I would not have personally chosen without Jordan you know pulling me in that direction and then I think some of like the the layout stuff and like the the nuts and bolts of the place and putting it all together um I pulled Jordan, you know, out of his comfort zone with, and probably even, even, even just buying a place and renovating it in general, I probably pulled Jordan out of his comfort zone because I'd been through it a few times and I've done renovations and it was Jordan's first. Yeah. This was my first home. I have been collecting images over the years. It's always been a passion. And for me, this was something so large and very literally held my hand throughout the whole entire process and just, you know, confined to me that, we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. There's going to be challenges. So I already had those expectations and it was something, I mean, I'm so thankful for. So let's talk about the challenges for a second, because you, you brought up the age of these homes and, and let's, let's just be honest here. Anytime there's a renovation, the moment you open the walls, you're going to start finding things, right? And generally the older the home unless it was made in the 70s. You take the 70s out, but at the older the home, um, you're going to start finding issues, right? But you're also talking about a home that unless you're on one cap or the other, you're sharing both walls, which means you have shared issues, you have shared problems, you have really old pipes, you've got, you know, the infrastructure, you don't know what you're getting to. I'm curious, what were um, some of your bigger challenges that you discovered once you started prying things open? 
You know, you know, what's kind of crazy is a lot of what we find that is the, the biggest problems uh, when once you like open up floors and walls are don't have as much to do with the age of the home, but to what has been done to it over 130 years. So, you know, a lot of times we in every single renovation that we do every that there's always joists that have been cut through by renovations over the years where they just cut right through it decided you know, we don't need this joist here run a pipe straight through it um and so we have to go in and fix that stuff and that's 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 honestly i would say we we know we're going to find that in every single renovation we can build in budget because we know we're going to have to go in and fix things that people messed up over the years um but most of them need full electrical and plumbing. So we know we're coming in to do that because again, they probably have done some work over the years. There's probably a patchwork of, of, of stuff. So our projects are usually full gut renovations, obviously, you know, in restorations or restoring what we can, but modernizing everything and ripping every, all the plumbing and the electrical out and completely replacing it. Yeah. So, and there's also something with the historic homes, Brownstone being included in that, is the original details, the original plaster work that you have to take in consideration that there's plaster specialists that, you know, are the only ones that will do the skilled work. There's, um, not, there's not many of them. There's not that many of them. Stained glass. Um, and if you want your, you know, beautiful transom windows replaced, you're looking at a specialist and that's just going to inquire more budget. Um, a very big common problem here in Brooklyn in the older homes is wood stri or stripping the paint off the wood work. Um, there's usually layers upon layers upon layers of paint covering really beautiful woodwork. And, you know, we did it to our place and others, other clients that see it and just from their inspiration, they want that original woodwork back in their home. So we look into plastic, uh, uh, painting specialists that can go ahead and remove the paint. We actually, in our place, we were decided we wanted to strip the paint off of the woodwork, which you could see under the 50 layers of paint. It was beautiful. Um, and we thought we would, we would strip it off and just get it to a point where we could repaint it um, so that it didn't have like, you know, the multiple layers and globs and drips and everything that happened over the years. And it ended up being so beautiful after the paint was stripped off it that we decided to leave it natural and not, not put something back on top of it. And, and, and it's, it, I guess in, in one way, the many layers of paint kind of preserve what's under it. It, it preserves the woodwork. Um, and so when you do take the paint off, I mean, it's, it's just gorgeous. Um, and so that, that usually is, that's a big part, a big thing that we do in most of our projects is restore the woodwork. It's a lot of work. It is a really nasty job. It is not, you know, it's not fun. There's not a lot of people who even want to do that type of work. Um, so it's, it is tough to find someone. And that's what we've put together this really great network of specialists that do all this sort of things that we know they do great work and they do it affordably and, um, you know, and, and timely. And, and that, that's really helped us sort of take what we've learned in our renovation, because we were kind of our own guinea pigs in our own our renovation, where we met a lot of the specialists we work with and learned a lot of what we've taken to the other projects that we manage. So, and we don't have any, today, we don't have any pictures of your, of your current project, but I would like to encourage everyone uh, to go to your website. It's thebrownstoneboys.com, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of pictures of our place on our website and our Instagram, right? It's just Brownstone Boys. Perfect. So let's, let's switch gears to the Simply Sin Reno 
Yes. Tell, tell me about this project. Yes. So Cynthia and Les um, reached out to us right in the middle of our own renovation. We had blogged a bit about our entire experience. And one night we were on Instagram and I noticed that we got a little message that with a little blue check mark. And I was like, very, I think something verified just reached out to us. And we read the message and they were like, we love your content. We love your story. We love your renovation. We're learning so much. We just bought a home and we would love to meet with you guys for coffee. So we met with Cynthia and her husband and we just immediately fell in love with them. Um, we learned that she is a social media influencer, um, also was a lawyer. Um, and they just bought a home also in Brooklyn and they were going through a major renovation and they needed some guidance throughout their entire renovation. So Barry and I talked to them and we decided that we were gonna take on the role of project managers for the renovation. Um, and yeah. yeah, so it's interesting though because we, you know, they're, they're our first client and, yeah. and a lot of people, we've heard from a lot of people over the year long uh, process of our renovation. We were blogging about it. We were telling everyone about what we were doing and the problems we were going through and how we were solving them. And we got a lot of messages from quite a few people actually, where we were just sort of like giving them advice and, and answering their questions and get, giving them referrals for specialists and things like that. And then eventually we started asking people like Cynthia, um, you know, when they would reach out and literally the subject of the email would be, please help. Uh, Cause they didn't just know how to, how to do it, how to even get started, how to find an architect, how to find a, a general contractor. You know, it's in New York city, general contractors are, it's, it's tough to find a really good one. There are a lot of bad ones. Um, and so how to find the right team um, and how to put everything together. And so a lot of people reach out to us and we started just sort of asking like with Cynthia, um, you know, would you like us to help you do this? And Cynthia was our, she's our first client. So we're like, this is the first time we're, we know we did our own project. Yours is the first one that we're going to, we're going to take on, um, as well. So it's been a really fun process and we've, we've learned a ton through it. And she's a really unique client because she is an Instagram influencer. Um, she, she designed the, the space, like the space is put together to take photos in. And so it, it's, it was a fun project in that way because it's an opportunity Absolutely. to design a really cool space that she's going to take a lot of photos in. For me, it was like everything that Barry said, no, you can't do in our own place. Like we <laughs> yeah. had the power to do it, Cynthia's because yeah, she loves color. And I was just like amazed. Everything she was telling me that she wanted to do, I was like, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I'm in love. Yeah. Um, a lot of color and a lot, a lot of pattern. A lot of pattern. Um, and it's just wrapping up so beautifully. I mean, I told Barry this earlier, I'm saying that if we can get through this renovation, which we're so close to wrapping up, we're gonna be good for life because <laughs> not only do we have COVID to deal with and literally renovation had to stop for three months, um, Cynthia and her husband also had twins in the middle of this renovation. So, you know, there was different emotions all throughout this, you know, this time of renovating yeah. her place. You know, you bring up a really good point. And I think, you know, if I can, if, if you'll bear with me, just to step away from design for one second, because you bring up something really, really interesting. Um, we learn, I, I, I coach youth soccer and I, and I always tell the girls, you know, you don't learn anything from a win, but you will learn so much from a loss. And I kind of feel that that's where we are today, where 
you don't really learn much day to day. You know, the, the, the days are long, the years are short, right? But then when something like this happens, where we've been for the last seven and a half, eight months, we learn a lot, right? We learn about who we are, who others really are. We learn about um, how we want to live. And I think that that's one of the really important things. And, you know, what you got, what you're meant, what you're talking about now, you know, the, it feels trivial at the time, but the conversations about color versus grayscale, they don't mean as much when life and death and, and culture are some of those things that we're talking about now. And I just think it's really interesting that you mentioned we'll be okay now because we've lived through this. I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think that's really cool. And with that, I was hoping, Erica, can you uh, run through some of the images so that we can we can look at this project and and as we do will you sort of we guys we we sort of guide us through what we're looking at here yeah we'd love to and i love that background that's a that tile that's on my background um hey i'm seeing it in two places right now (laughs) which one is that the one that's in my background what okay that's uh, that's a cement yeah. Um, and uh, they actually used it in two different colors, both the black colorway and then the, um, the blue colorway that we're showing. So um, I have this sort of starting at the beginning from where you started shopping with Walker and Zanger, but I can jump into more of the install images or if you want to walk us through this part. Yeah, so on the left-hand side here, or our left, we're actually looking at the home of Cynthia and Lest's. Um, you're looking at a door right now that we're in the process of putting in the new door. So you might notice that the transom above there is cut in half. And the reason behind that is we actually open up the entire back wall of her place and we put up a large glass lighting. So there's going to be tons of natural light coming into the space. But the only way we can get it into the building, as you know, the brownstones are connected, was to get it through the front door. So we actually had to cut the transoms to make access for the glass panel. But we put in brand new windows over here as well. And on the right-hand side is our shopping trip to the showroom here in New York City, Walker Zanger, which was so much fun. Um, And this was the cement tile that we chose to go ahead with. We went with the blue and white star and cross. Um, And Erica, I forget the name of the specific tile, but it was the terracotta outdoor tile. And... It was just so beautiful, and we're so excited to install that on the new deck. Yeah, that's going to be a really awesome feature of the house because, like Jordan said, when you walk in, we opened up the entire parlor level, which is the level that you walk into if you're not familiar with Brownstone Brooklyn. You walk up the stoop, and you're on the parlor level, um, and that's it's totally open. So their place, unfortunately, which is common with a lot of um, historic places in Brooklyn, a lot of the original stuff was stripped out. And so there wasn't a lot of detail inside to save. And so another thing that's interesting for us with, with her project versus ours and probably almost all of our other projects is that it was kind of a blank slate where we, we started, we really were able to start from scratch with it. So it was a little bit different for, for us from that perspective too. Um, but it's totally open and right back to the kitchen, which has that really large, you know, floor to ceiling, wall to wall window that we put in. And that leads onto a deck 
um, that's on the second level. And that's where that star and cross tile is going to be um, on the on the deck outside. It's going to have a nice sort of like outdoor living room feel, a really beautiful pop of color with that that really rich blue um, and, and mixed in with the white tile. So it's going to be a, a really nice feature of, the, of not just the, the deck outside, but even um, looking at that beautiful view out the window onto it. Yeah, that uh, tile is uh, ceramic Alhambra, and I think you all created your own custom. Uh, we have the star and cross, but the colors are, are custom to you guys, so it's going to be a moment for her for sure. Absolutely. We can't so this wait. is a little more of the shopping trip. Yes, pre-COVID. <laughs> like, oh, was it? People together. Yeah, pre-COVID. No um, and we're with Dana and Drew over here on the left-hand side. Cynthia and Les, her husband, are in the middle. Um, we just really just had such a great time shopping. Yeah. It's so helpful to go into the showroom where you see we have everything pulled out on the table. We were putting together, you know, different colors and different options. And it was just really helpful because it can be a very own, there's so many decisions that have to be made especially in a, a renovation as large as the ones that we work in. I mean, there's, it's an overwhelming amount of, of decisions that have to be made. So being able to, to go into the showroom and get all those decisions made kind of all at once in, in a way that just you see everything sort of pulled together with all those samples there was really, really helpful. Great. As, as you were doing your, your showroom trip, did you know what you were looking for? Did you have an idea what you were looking for? Or was this really part of discovery? Um, we did, we did go in with an idea. Like we, th th there were some choices that were made. Uh, you know, we, we, we definitely, we all, we always have our clients put together some inspiration photos for us and to some pull, pull together some looks that they like. We put together a Pinterest board or something just so we can understand what they're going for in each space. And we actually have them do that for every single space that we're, we're designing. And it's just really helpful because I think it's a good way for them. Otherwise, if you ask them to, to tell you what, what they, they're looking for, it's tough for people to come up with what they're, you know, just to verbally sort of explain. So being able to just come up with those visuals. And so we went in with their inspiration, their, their Pinterest boards. We, we always put together an inspiration or a design deck as well. So based on that inspiration that they send, we'll put together um, kind of like a lookbook for each space. And so we, we did go in with that sort of like guide, those guideposts um, in mind. But there's also a lot of discovery that happens too. So there's things that we didn't even think of that, you know, there's something on the wall that kind of catches your eye. Yeah, that deck tile, we did a complete 180. Originally, we were mm -hmm. just going to do almost like a terracotta outside. And we just scratched that immediately after we saw this, uh, that tile that you mentioned, just that blue color was so stunning. So this is probably, it's, it's, one of our favorite rooms in the house. It's also the smallest room it's in the, the house. smallest room. <laughs> um, it's the powder room. And this lies right inside the middle of the kitchen area. And to the left-hand side, there's this very small space uh, that we're utilizing as uh, the powder room. And we found this gorgeous, gorgeous tile at Walker Zanger, the Ellington. And it is, what we decided to do is we're deciding to do the accent wall here at the black and the brass. And that's on that accent wall leading all the way down to the floor. And on the three contrasting walls from floor to ceiling, we're doing the white and brass. And the combination of the two together are just so stunning. And it actually makes the room brighter. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like you walk, when you go into that room, it's like you were transported into like different place because you're just surrounded by, you know, this pattern and color and the shininess of the, the brass. Uh, so it's a really a special little place. And the, the fact that the, the way that the, the, the black and brass is on the floor and that one wall, it really kind of draws your eye up. And so it makes the space feel even larger um, than it is. Uh, and it was also, I think it was a interesting kind of bold choice to have the tile go all the way up to the ceiling on all, all of the walls too, in such a small space, but it's really, really cool. And we, we love the way it, it, it's come out. We can't wait to get everything else in there to, to see if yeah, this isn't a finished photo, uh, within the next week, uh, we can have all bring in all the light fixtures in obviously the toilet and all the other finishes necessary for the room. Well, let me ask you something because I, I, I feel strongly that, you know, you can tell a lot about a designer by what they do in small spaces. And I don't mean to diminish larger spaces, but when you have budget and space, you know, it, it's much, it, it's a more, it's a more simplified process as to what you can do with it. When, when you're limited by the space itself and you talk about going floor to ceiling, you know, with this, did you have any, was there any trepidation? Was there any, when you were going into this, like, oh, do we want to do that? Will it close it off? Or was it just like, you know what, we're just, we're just going for it. This is just too amazing not to. I think it's kind of the opposite. I think we knew we were going big in the powder room. You did. So it was, yeah. it was the, it, it's always fun. And in, in, in New York, the powder room, you know, the, there's, there's, there's usually in a, in the, a brownstone, there's not any bedrooms on the living level right because the, the 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 footprint of the house is too small for that so they're all upstairs or downstairs um and so the the little bathroom that's on the part level is always tiny but it is a really fun place to just go completely crazy yeah and even if all the walls are white and everything is pretty plain in the rest of the house like it is it is an area that every like we find our clients are always very comfortable with doing something a little bold yeah. So we went in there knowing we were going to do that. Yeah, we we originally knew we were wanting a black and gold theme in that bathroom. Um, however, I remember visiting the showroom and there was this tile and it was almost like a jungle mosaic. <laughs> and it, what was it, Erica? Botanicals. Yes, yeah. the botanicals. Love that. And we both had this thought. It was close. I'd yeah. be like, should we just scratch the black and gold all together and just do botanicals in the space? But I'm happy we went with the Ellington. Can you, you tell us the square footage of that space, just so we all understand what yeah, that means? It's, it's three by five, three feet by five feet. Ooh, so it's, okay. it's really, it's very, I mean, it is a, you open the door and there's a toilet and a sink. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah. But for New York, it's large. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> See, it's all, it's all in perspective, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, no, I love it. I'm just curious. A recall, back to your place. Did you go bananas in your own parlor bath? You know what's crazy is, no, because we didn't put one in. We didn't do a powder room. We, yeah. we opted for no powder room because it is also, if, if you're keeping the original layout of like the... There's a traditional layout. Every brownstone is kind of laid out the same way. You walk in, you're in a vestibule, there's a stairwell that goes up with like the banister and it's in its own little room with the wall and then you walk into the rest of it. If you keep that, it's tough to squeeze it in. 
And that you almost, you have to take the space from somewhere else. Um, and so for us, it wasn't important. We really wanted an amazing, like, showstopper kitchen. And we didn't. Yeah, I did. And we did. We're like, I just don't want to take. I know it's, it's three by five, but it takes, that's three feet that we're taking out of the kitchen or out of something else. And so, you know, we, we put in, we put an additional bathroom upstairs um, that was part of our project. And I sort of like, even, this is a little TMI, but even in a, you know, you know, it, you, this, the room is small, but it's kind of close to the kitchen. It's close to the dining room. And I'm just kind of like, I go upstairs and go to the bathroom instead of like right next to the kitchen kind of a person. Uh, so we didn't do it, but yeah. Okay. Maybe the next one. <laughs> no, that, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, so back to Simply Sin. So we've heard about the kitchen. Erica, can we go look at the kitchen um, as we do this? And while we do, um, I just find it so interesting that botanicals and this are so vastly different. Um, they're just Josh, completely different, right? we don't have kitchen images. Um, we just have bathroom. Uh, the second bathroom or this one? Sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so this is the, um, the, one of the upstairs bathrooms. Um, and that's the, the Fez uh, Duquesa on the floor, which is really beautiful. Um, so it's the same one that's behind Josh. Uh, when we, we did use that one as well in, in a different bathroom in the house. I think we have photos of that too. Uh, it is a beautiful tile. Like I, I would use this tile like in every single project that we do. It's, it's great for the vestibule space. It's great for a bathroom. Um, I love the kind of Moroccan inspired feel of it. It's very matte. It's cement tile. Um, so it looks really beautiful. And this bathroom doesn't have a lot of color in it. Um, but we, we did want to make sure that we highlighted a uh, pattern um, in this bathroom. So every single wall is completely covered in herringbone uh, tile and I think that's the milk crackle tile if I'm not mistaken. It's a three yeah. by twelve tile has a really nice handmade look to it um, It's got like the milk crack the crackle in it that gives it a lot of interest And so the combination of these two tiles we thought looked really nice and in the pattern um, sort of took the place of, of You know where we might have used color in, in another room Well Barry, so there is there really is no color here. Are you in heaven? Do you absolutely love it? <laughs> It's great. It's this is very my, <laughs> It's my thing. Throw in a little herringbone, a little charcoal gray, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, along those lines, listen. I I think what's really interesting is, in the absence of color, you've made up for it with an abundance of texture, and I, I think that the it, they they kind of in this case, I guess they can sort of serve interchangeably. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. And the crackle, and it's hard to tell in this photo, but it has such a beautiful texture to it um, that you really are getting pattern upon pattern upon pattern. So no matter which angle you're looking at it, oh, there's a better shot. Uh, no matter what angle you're looking at it, every angle of the room looks completely different. Yeah. No, and that's, um, that's for the installer geeks out there, and Josh wouldn't ask this question, but I will. What Do you know what grout you used on the... <laughs> I would not ask that question. No. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, like a medium gray grout. So we wanted to use something that would highlight the pattern in it. So yeah. we didn't want to go charcoal and, and make it too dark. So it's a, it's a medium gray. So you can still see the pattern doesn't blend in with the, you know, with the tile color. 
Um, and also, you know, we, we, we try to, I don't think we've done white grout anywhere yeah, yet. No. So that's, that's all, that's all Great. <laughs> so it's always a shade of gray. <laughs> it's okay. No, I love that. You know what though, Erica, I'm going to start asking about grout because you bring up, you bring up a very a very good point, and that is you you have options with this. If if you go too light, you disappear the herringbone. If you go too dark, it overpowers it. So I I think you you know it, you really do have to consider um, which shade you're going with. Yeah, I, the grout is really important, and w we found that after tile is grouted, it, it can look completely different. If it's a darker tile uh, and it, you, you use a little bit of a lighter grout, it can lighten it up a little bit. Um, we've seen tile go from, you know, having like a greenish tone to a lot more gray tone, it, you know, depending on what the, the, the tile, the grout color you choose. So it's really important. And, and I know that, you know, it's another little thing that's really helpful going to the showroom because there are grout samples that you can compare next to the tile so that you can have an understanding of what it's going to look like. And of course, you know, you can highlight a pattern if it's this case we used herringbone or if you, if you put tile in a brick pattern or you stack it, you can highlight that by using a contrasting grout or you can kind of make it disappear with, with, with not doing it. So it's actually one of the things that I think people don't really spend a lot of time on, but it's, it's important. Um, and I'm sorry, Josh, I'm going to ask one more question. No, um, go ahead. From the audience, because I think it's, 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 in, it's, we're in the good time for this question. And it's, um, did your installer have any issues with cement tile? Um, kind of looks like maybe you're doing the installation, but uh, can you talk a little bit about installing the cement tile? We didn't have any problems with it. Um, it, it, yeah, we. That was we, the right answer. But. Yeah, everything, <laughs> everything went in really well, and there was there were no issues, uh, especially with the cement tile. Um, yeah, no, no. It was and crazy. the reason why you say this is we wanted to make sure that I mean herringbone is can be a difficult pattern, especially like so. We worked very closely with the contracting team on this just to make sure that the whole entire pattern was consistent throughout the space. The one thing that I would say, and it was obviously wasn't the, the fault of the tile, but putting tile in a herringbone pattern requires extra tile. It's there's a lot more cuts that that have to be made in you know in the tiles, and so we ran out of tile. Um, of course, we were trying to be conservative and not, you know, end up with boxes of tile left over. Um, and so the team was really amazing, you know, taking our frantic phone call one day Thank about you, the Dana, out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and getting us more tile really quickly. So that's the thing to keep in mind is when you when you put tile in certain patterns like this, it is going to require a little more overage than you think you need because of all the cuts that have to be made. I'm curious along those lines, and we can we can file this away under lessons learned. Do you have? Did you learn any specific metric that you would apply to that for for purposes of overage? If you were to do this project again, how how much more do you think you would you would order by percentage? Do you think twenty percent? I would get if for a herringbone pattern, I would get twenty percent more. That's our number. Twenty percent overage. If it's not herringbone, if it's a if it's a tile that's custom and, and hard to get, I would still get 15, even if it wasn't herringbone. And if it's something that's easy and we can make a phone call and get more in three days, then maybe we can try to get by with 10% as long as we know we can get it. Quick. Yeah, I think like lesson learned on this is just know the inventory levels prior. Uh, if it is a custom tile, you know, go up on your overage. But if it's well stocked, then I think you can go with the consistent 15%.
That makes sense. That's great. Um, hey, Erica, this might also be a good time. Were there, it looks like there's a couple of questions. There are. Do you want to, yeah. do you want to sort of ask those? Sure, 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 sure. Um, so I just, uh, there was just one posted about images and I just want to let everyone know that, that the project isn't complete. Um, so that's why you're seeing installation images. Um, and they're working on getting that project finished up right now. So we can just kind of address that. And then, um, let me just stop sharing, get us out of there, yeah. And then, um, starting up at the top, um, is there a typical budget that you have when doing a renovation that you usually find electrical, plumbing problems that you're wanting to keep the original elements of the home? So a little bit around budget and the pre-planning process. Um, I mean, the budget can vary pretty, pretty dramatically, but if we're, if we're doing a renovation in New York and, you know, a brownstone it, in all of our projects, usually the whole three or four story gut renovation of the entire building, um, you know, the, a lot of times there's three or four bathrooms, some of the, it, most of, most of these places have more than one unit in it as well. So a lot of times there's like a owner's duplex or triplex above a, a rental on the ground floor. So there's even multiple kitchens, you know, all the electrical and plumbing. So the, I would say the budgets range for our projects from like, you know, 250,000 to up to like six or 700,000, usually where they're falling. Most of the people that, in fact, all of our clients are very kind of like normal people, average families that are renovating their first homes. Time home yeah, a lot, of, almost all of them are first time home buyers. Yeah. Uh, pretty much, I would say 90% of our clients are first-time home buyers. Lots of babies. Everyone's having babies and, and growing families. So they're very like average type of families that are building their home and have, you know, a, you know, budget is limit limited, and so we have to kind of figure out how to work with a limited budget and you know upgrade specific things, kind of elevate the entire design, but keep everything within range. One one follow up to that, uh, and I was going to ask. You had mentioned that the floor plans within the brownstone is relatively consistent, and I'm curious if that helps you in the budgeting process, because with that consistency, it might help you to plan a little bit more. Yeah, I, I would say it, it can. It is. It, you know, it is easy. We sort of know what to expect. Like we know what the square footage is going to be. We know kind of the proportions of the space and the rooms. Um, we kind of know where to expect the, the issues and the problems before we even find them. And so it, it, it does make it more consistent for us. Um, and, you know, I guess that can translate into budget in, in some ways. At least it gives us, you know, it, it, it creates a situation where there are less surprises uh, because we know what to expect for sure. Yeah, so it's, it is helpful in that way. There's a, there's a question here that's kind of uh, related, but it's, are you licensed to take responsibility to participate in this work? Do you have liability insurance if something goes wrong? So it's not related to budget, but it's probably yeah, part of the plan. That's a great question. Um, we do, yeah, we are at LLC, we have our insurance. We have um, general liability and professional liability. So a, a contractor has to have general liability insurance, but not professional. And an architect has to have professional liability, but not general. And we actually have both. Um, but we are not licensed and we don't actually do anything that requires a license. 
Um, and we, even in our agreement that we have with our clients, it says that we are not a general contractor. We are not an architect or an engineer. We bring all those folks in and our clients have separate contracts with, with them. Um, but we, you know, we don't take any part of that pie. Another follow-up to, to that issue, because that's really interesting. That's a really interesting model. I, I'm curious, because you, your clients will have agreements with each of the trades independently, do you handle cost pricing and the, finance, the financial side under your agreement so then they're really just doing the execution under the trades agreement? Or is it different? It actually varies with different clients. Um, most of them, we are, are actively involved because we would have probably brought that professional in. So it's architects that we, we have brought in, it's a contractor that we, we have brought in, and we interact with, with them um, for the most part, but they pay them directly. You know, they have, their, they have their own contract. We're not party to the contract with the general contractor. Um, we have a separate agreement with, with, the, with the client. Um, they have their own agreement with their contractor and they pay the contractor directly. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a separate relationship that they have with you and then a separate relationship that they have with the trade, but, but under your business model and it's the business model side of it that I, that I think is so fascinating. So there's a lot of trust that also goes in. So the people that you're working with, there has to be a lot of trust on, on your end with, with them. Is there a vetting process that you go through or is this sort of a, you just consistently work with the same people while you can? Oh yeah. There's a, the, for the professionals to work with. Yeah. There's definitely a vetting process. Um, and we do work with, and I think that's one of the things that our clients feel comfortable with is because the, the professionals that we bring in are people that we have worked with, um, you know, on other projects. Yeah. And, and we also, you know, we put together a full scope of work and now we make sure that the client also approves of the specialist's duty of work. So if that entails us bringing them over to other jobs that they've completed to make sure that and get referrals, I mean, we would make sure it's a true partnership. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we'll help them get the contract together with the general contractor. So, you know, in a, an average person that's never done a renovation for, and it might even be their first home that they're ever buying, uh, ever buying, has no idea what to look for in a contract with a contractor. Yeah. And so we, we're not party to the contract, and we're, we're sort of like a third party being able to help consult with them and have them make them understand what should be in the contract, um, you know, what standard, what isn't, you know, how to structure the payment schedule with the contractor. And so we're able to help them out with all that stuff, but then they have that, that separate contract with the contractor. Got it. So that advisory role is, is a big part of what you got is what, what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Erica, um, any additional questions? There's one last question. Um, that is, well, actually, there's two. One is, do you prefer East Coast or West Coast style? And I'm going to assume since you're the Brownstone boys, you probably prefer East Coast. But you know what happens when you assume. So I would say East Coast with a little bit of California chic to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, California chic. I like that. <laughs> Can I steal that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then the uh, last question that we have in here is, um, just, it says the tub is not covered. Did you have problems? And I'm thinking maybe you uncovered the tub to take pictures, but I'll let you address that. 
so that's that's a good that's question. A really good question. <laughs> that that specific tub that you guys were just looking at actually needs to be repaired, and so it has to be reglazed. And so it wasn't covered because it needs to be completely reglazed already. And so it's yeah, it was that that hadn't happened yet. And so there a was cast iron <laughs> tub, and it weighs several hundred pounds. So many and pounds. Yeah, it was easier for us to reglaze the whole entire tub as opposed to. Uh, getting it out of place <laughs> good good somebody spotted that though that was good. yeah i was gonna say josh you can uh that's those are the questions but uh our audience is paying attention so thank yeah, you. yeah no i, I appreciate it i love that that's a that's a good eye seriously um with that i, I just want to circle back and remind everyone a couple of things first of all barry and jordan thank you so much for making the time today this was amazing it really was that's great thank you um I would encourage everyone to go to uh, thebrownstoneboys.com and check out the website, check out the images. And I'm going to assume that between that and the Instagram, when this project is completed, we're going to see all the, all the finals. Absolutely. Definitely. Now, you're going to shoot it. Are you also going to do it in video? We are. Yeah, we're hopeful to do some video updates of the finished space. Also, uh, Cynthia, follow her as well, Simply Sin. I know as soon as they move in, she's going to be taking the most beautiful photographs in one of the most beautiful homes. So make sure to follow her too. Uh, simply uh, Sin, S-I-N. S-Y-N? Y-N. Y-N. Perfect. Um, that's great. And if you want to hear this again, if you want to listen again, which why wouldn't you? Um, Convo by Design, you can subscribe to the podcast everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And, and with that... Um, Erica Walker Zanger, thank you so much for for presenting uh, the showroom so that we can hear from remarkable talent like the Brownstone Boys. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Yes. Thanks, Thanks for thank you, us. everyone. Bye. Take care. Thank Thanks for joining us. Uh, make the best of today. Have a good one. Thank you, Jordan and Barry. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your continued support. And thank you for listening. Without you, I mean, really, what's the point? If you're not already a subscriber to the show, what are you waiting for? It's so easy. You can find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts, including now on designnetwork.org. So if you want to try something fun, ask your smart speaker to play Convo by Design. It's really that easy. Follow along on the socials and check out our YouTube channel for videos from some of your favorite episodes, like this one with the Brownstone Boys. Thanks again for listening to the show. Be well. And until next week... Keep creating.